This is a Quite the Thing media production of Quite the Music, distributed as part of Quite the Music collab. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 6 of Quite the Music. I'm your host Gary Morris and joining us this month is Quite the Guest. Uh, from East17, it's Terry Caldwell. Evening Terry. Hi. Evening Gary, how are you? You okay? I'm very well, thank you Terry. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, regular listeners to us know that we like to, to delve into stories and people that have been active in, in the pop world and I think for yourself still going with CC17 uh, coming up for nearly, nearly enough kind of 20 years on it's uh, really nearly, quite 30, nearly, nearly, yeah. nearly 30 mate <laughs> nearly 30 years <laughs> absolutely but no it's, uh, it's that's how old I am <laughs> uh, I remember when you first came out so it probably tells you my age as well so um, <laughs> but no it's great to have you on on this month's show, we'll be talking to Terry a little bit about, obviously, the past, the V17, uh, how they came to be the, one of the biggest boy bands, if not the biggest, in the 90s here in the UK. Um, obviously, their big, big Christmas number one. I'm sure we'll talk on to that. We're coming up to that time of the year again where uh, that comes out and all those royalties come out. So I'm sure that's a good time of year for yourself as well, Terry. Uh, well, well, I didn't, I didn't write that one. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, get you out on the on the airways again and uh, it does definitely, definitely. Um, we can talk a little bit about the the, the new lineup of the 17 and what you boys are, are doing now on the circuit so um it's a great pleasure to have you on so let's go right back to the, the early 90s and uh, when you boys were were formed and if anyone doesn't know the, the backstory of how E17 were formed, Terry, do you want to just take us right back to, to the start and, and where it all began for you? Yeah, well, um, OK, uh, probably 1990 or 91. Um, I, I've always, me myself, I've always, um, like in the 80s, I was doing a bit of break dancing and rapping and stuff like that in the 80s, writing raps and stuff. And um, yeah, after break dancing, the kind of street dancing kind of happened, uh, which kind of like what diversity do the advanced version of it. <laughs> but back then, uh, yeah, street dancing. So yeah, so I was always love for music, and uh, yeah, so I was dancing with mates going to under sixteen clubs, and we was dancing as a crew type thing, uh, and people would beat the you'd have like a, a ring of people around, you all clapping and cheering and stuff. And uh, yeah, so my sister is was the same age as Tony Maltman. Tony was getting a band together, and he knew I could dance. And um, he, he approached me one day and just said, "Look, do you want to be part of this band?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to be a part part of the band." Uh, so anyway, I ran around Brian's, uh, knocked on his door. Brian didn't really know Tony, and uh, I said, "Oh, I'm in a band." He was like, "What?" 
He's like, did you ask if I could be in it? And I was like, well, I don't really know Tony too well. He knows my sister. I can't say, oh, can we mate be in it as well? I said, come round the corner. He's still sitting in the car and we'll ask him together. And that's what we've done. We, we went round the corner and um, Tony was there still. And uh, yeah, I said to Tony, like, Brian was there. I said, oh, look, can, can Brian be in the band as well? And he said, yeah. So then after that, Brian couldn't really dance. So um, after that, I had to teach him how to dance. So we had a little stereo and we'd literally be on the street underneath a lamppost. I, re- I remember it so, so clearly. And it, it, it was pitch black out. It was nighttime and we'd have this stereo and, and we'd be playing songs that we liked. And I'd be teaching him routines and stuff. And that's how it was. And then, and then we all had normal jobs at the time. So we was kind of paying to go into cheap studios to do demos. Um, and yeah, and Tony, Tony was kind of trying to sing and rap and doing everything. And um, yeah, some of the singing weren't really working out for him. And then Brian was kind of like humming in the background. And he was like, get on the mic, Brian. And he got on the mic and kind of that was it, really. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the beginning, really. Then we signed a deal, a uh, million pound deal with London Records. Uh, I was too young at the time. I was only 17, so my dad had to sign my my part of the deal. And okay. Brian was only Brian was only 17 as well, so his granddad had to sign his deal because he was living with his nanny granddad at the time. And yeah, it, it was just crazy, mate. And in the next three years after that, we were just working seven days a week. Uh, if we weren't working in England, we was working in Germany, Europe, Australia, and we didn't have a day off for three years. Um, and yeah, we was proper run down at the ground, to be honest with you. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of like the beginning of, of each. I mean, John was Tony's best mate at the time. So John was, that's how John kind of got in the band. Okay. And, and, and yeah, the rest was history. As I say. And obviously with the name being very kind of London centric, uh, was that your first choice? Yeah, we we yeah we we kind of lived one road away from each other really. We we didn't live down the same road, but it was literally one road away. Everyone lived one road away from each other, so uh, so yeah, it just made sense to call it E17 really. Perfect. So debut album, Walthamstow number one. How did it feel to just be on the scene and for for your your first album to to get to the top of the charts? Oh mate, it, it it was a dream come true to be honest with you. It was, you know, I remember because my dad always made me work. I was always working. I, I had an early morning paint around at school. After school, I worked in sweet shops, stacking shelves and stuff. And then Saturdays, I worked down Walthamstow Market on a fruit and veg stall. And I also worked on a bacon and fish stall. <laughs> and then Sunday, I worked down Lee Valley Sunday Market on a woman's clothes stall selling women's clothes. So my, my dad always made me work, so I kind of had it in me to kind of work but I, I used to hate working for other people so uh so I remember I used to pray to God because my love was was dancing and rapping and that, that was my that was my love and I, I remember as a kid praying to God because I didn't know you know I'd watch Top of the Pops and the chart show on a Saturday and you know I didn't know how how you'd get in a band or how you'd get on TV or so mate it was kind of like God answered my my prayers it, it, it's crazy really when you think of it but that's the truth and that's what happened yeah absolutely so we we'll go back to, to that kind of debut album obviously you boys were out roughly around at the same time as kind of take that came on board as well um 
did you guys have a, a lot to do with the, the kind of rivalry there or was that purely just manufactured by the, the, the record companies and the, the papers and yeah, I think, yeah, do you know what, uh, the, the the rivalry between us and Take That, it was definitely manufactured by the papers and magazines and stuff. Um, whenever we kind of bumped in, when we was kind of always all right with them, there might have been a couple of times in the early days when um, when it was first, the rivalry was first happening, you know, I'll take that, said this about you, and we'd go, well, tell, tell Take That, blah, 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 blah. And um, but whenever we saw him, it, it was always all right, really. And, and Robbie Williams, we never really saw the others. They was always in their hotel room, but we always saw Robbie Williams at the bar. So, so yeah, so so Robbie Robbie become a Robbie was a fan of ours. I remember walking down uh, the hotel uh, where the rooms were, and Robbie had his headphones on, and he was playing deep. And he had deep on his headphones, and he was like, "Look, bro, this is a wicked track, guys." And you know, he, he was very cool, very cool, Robbie. But I've got you know what, mate? As you get older, you think I've got so much respect, not just for Take That, but for like Boyzone, Westlife, and you know all these all, all these acts. You know, what I mean that um, that you know how much work goes into it. You yeah. know, to be successful, mate, it's not going to fall on your lap. You've got to no. work. You've got to work for it. And and like I said, we worked seven days a week for three years. Solid. It was something we spoke to uh, our first episode. We had Mark Reed from A1 on, and Mark was talking about the the kind of constant grind of the the, the touring schedule and being going to so many different countries, but seeing nowhere <laughs> when you go to these countries mm. and like being well travelled, but not actually. Yeah, not actually saying it. Yeah. yeah. Well, back in the day, back in the day. <laughs> It, this is why I like it now I'm older, because we do actually see the countries now. And, you know, if we've got a bit of time off, we'll go out for a walk or we'll, we'll ask the promoter or something, look, can you take us to some sites and see some sites? But, yeah, back in the day, it was literally, we'd, I, I remember we'd, we'd get to the hotel or something. If we had the evening off, we'd get to the hotel and then we'd all meet at the bar and then we'd, we'd just be lining up the tequilas and sambucas and, uh, and then just head out. And and that was it to a club, and that was it, and and then back to your room, hugging the toilet all night. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but yeah, as as now I'm older, you know, it's 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 about seeing the places, you know, even if there's like a nice cathedral there or you know or something like that, it, it's it's just nice to get out there and and actually um, experience the different places you travel to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, rather, so, rather than just getting drunk. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> yeah, we, we do get drunk. I, I reckon probably three times a year we, we, we'll have a proper laugh and get drunk, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the hangovers just last too long now. Can't, can't yeah. do it. Come back to the kids and it's like, oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, I get that. Yeah. Um, Talk to a little bit about you know, the seventeen sound then, because it was quite quite edgy for the, the kind of early nineties, and uh, really kind of stood your boys out from the rest of the the kind of boy band type acts that were out at the time. And again, was that something that was deliberate, or was it just you're all kind of usually in, in a place uh, that sound? Yeah, when we when we done the demos, the demos were a lot harder than the actual 
singles that came out, uh, the demos were stuff that we were influenced by. Like, um, we was into a lot of rave music at the time. You know, I was, I was, I was a proper little raver when I was younger. Uh, yeah, so there was rave music influenced in there. There was uh, hip hop influenced. Um, and, and different, yeah, slightly different genres. I remember Tony being a Prince fan and stuff like that. So, yeah, there, there was kind of a lot of influences in there, a lot of American influences, to be honest with you. But, um, but yeah, once we'd done the demos, then, you know, they would got handed to a management and record label, and then they got the top producers who were kind of happening at the time to, to, to mix up the tracks, do remixes on them. And then we basically chose the best mix, really, to go with. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, some of the, I remember House of Love went to number one in a dance, uh, the dance remix mm. of that went to number one in a dance chart. I think Danny Tagalelli or something, he, he done a dance remix, but he was happening at the time. He was like one of the top dance uh, remixes producers. Uh, so yeah, so the track got handed to him, he done a brilliant mix on it and, uh, yeah, got to number one in a dance chart, a uh, dance remix. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, yeah, you didn't really have a lot of control after we'd done the demo. No, okay. Because really. no, <laughs> it's all right as well, kind of similar to House of Love, it was quite a quite a hard track and really kind of deep beats on it. Yeah, I think I think the 90s, I think there was a lot of, like, especially in Europe, there was a lot of the Euro sound going on. And we kind of done that on a few of the tracks, I'd say, um, I'd say It's All Right. I'd say Let It Rain, uh, House of Love kind of had that uh, Euro sort of um, dance vibe. So, yeah, I think I think the 90s, you know, you don't really hear it too much now. It's, it's evolved a bit now. But, but yeah, yeah, in the 90s, there was, there was definitely a 90s Euro sound going on, which was, which was happening everywhere. But, you know, you had Dr. Album 2 Unlimited, uh, Culture Beat. Yeah, there were so, so many acts out there doing that sort of thing so yeah so i think it kind of i think that, that probably the label knew that it was big at the time and wanted to to incorporate it into what we was doing as well in some of the tracks yeah and i think that's what made a track like deep really stand out from it because that, that was so different um, yeah 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 of, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah deep, definitely i think deep was um that definitely had a, a more of a hip-hop feel about it Especially the video as well. That, that the videos for deep. When you see all the people in the army camouflage, they're all our mates we grew up with. So when you watch the video, they're all our mates we grew up with that we, that we got in the video. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely influenced by hip hop. That one. Okay, so as a big '80s music fan, um, obviously Pet Shop Boys were, were a big influence on me back in the '80s. So you guys covered obviously West End Girls. Um, was it a uh, conscious decision <laughs> to make a cover version in the early days, or was that? Um, no, it wasn't. No, I think, I think Tom Watkins, our manager, had publishing on that. He owned some publishing. So, so um, yeah, so he was probably thinking, yep, let's do it. You know, it kind of made sense. Western girls, Eastern boys, I can see it. You know what I mean? I can, I can actually see why he'd want to do it. Also, he owned publishing on the track because he managed the Pet Shop Boys as well in the 80s so um so yeah there was kind of a double thing going on there but yeah but i, I think the track sounded all right i think it sounded better than the yep. original to be honest with you <laughs> yeah, 
Well, you, know, you would say that anyway, it's in your track, so no, it's all good. Uh, but <laughs> it was a, kind of a big thing, obviously, cover versions in the 90s, and, um, but I think what really stood out for you guys is that you kind of put your own spin on it and it didn't just sound kind of karaoke. Um, so I, I think it, it certainly you could tell it was an E17 track as opposed to just mm. re- rehashing the, the Pet Shop Boys version. So. Definitely. Okay, so Definitely, move into yeah, obviously yeah. The, the difficult second album and Steam, uh, obviously being a, a kind of big track on that, and then obviously Christmas number one for first day another day. Um, talk to us a little bit about how that felt going into being Christmas number one, and obviously how big that track became for for you boys. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, 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 apparently, it weren't weren't even a Christmas song to begin with. Uh, and then, um, and then, yeah, it, it went to Colonel and Hardin, who produced the, the Steam album, and uh, they put in the tubular bells and everything, and it just sounded Christmassy. Um, uh, yeah, we shot two videos for that. One which was the Christmas one with the white coats, and then we done one in the studio. The record company didn't like the the, uh, <laughs> the video with the white coats really? because they said well, <laughs> we look too soft in it. And the image. <laughs> I said the image was, was wrong, so we went in the studio and done one around the piano. But yeah. I, I, I think it's an iconic video. I honestly, yeah. I, I, I think the white, the one with the white coat is very iconic. Um, but yeah, it? but yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's in the loft. It comes out every Christmas for the Christmas gigs. <laughs> nice. I, have to, I have to dust the spiders and the cobwebs off of it. <laughs> But but it's, yeah it's yeah so it's iconic though so yeah you can understand that you, you can't really do that track without without the coat I suppose no no it's not the same it's not the same um, but yeah no I th- I think uh, I, I remember it clearly I remember I was, I was ramming my dad's house we had the radio on <laughs> we was all started eating Christmas dinner and just waiting to see if we was because we'd already been number one for a couple of weeks and just waiting to see if we were still number one. And then when they said it, I remember it so clearly. When they said it, I remember getting a, a rush, like like the most amazing rush from my head to toe because we'd had, we hadn't had a number one in England. So to be number one at Christmas as well, um, yeah, just, just totally amazing, totally amazing. I couldn't believe it. And then we were still number one for a few more weeks after that. I think six yeah. weeks in the end. Um, but yeah, the big, biggest Christmas song every year kind of reinvents the band. Um, yeah, I think that, that you know, and, and who knows, you know, one day when I'm gone, you know, it will still be played at Christmas. So, you know, it's kind of the legacy that gets left behind. Um, but yeah, it's so amazing to have a Christmas number one. So amazing. Yes. No, not not many people, unless you, you went on X Factor or you became Lad Baby. <laughs> it's something that uh, you don't really get. But I think how yeah, do you feel yeah. about kind of modern music? Do you think that there's still the same kind of buzz oh, I love to, it. to get to number one? I, or do you think it, it's uh, now not quite as big as it was, say, back, back in the day? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think the buzz is as, as you know, it's you know, you've got, you've got so many platforms now that that you can promote yourself on and and you know show people your talent and stuff like that and yeah it's a different it's a totally different world now for music totally different um i've only just got into the spotify thing probably a year and a half ago i didn't have a clue about spotify um but yeah we met we met this guy um scott who runs a label called so let's talk and um yeah we just decided he contacted me and said look 
he didn't even know like he's something still going and he was like look do you want to do something together and I said yeah I'd love to mate uh we've got an album sitting here he was like really I said yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and 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 yeah and it's on nearly a million it's on nearly a million streams nice so yeah so the new album uh and that's off of the back of nothing really you know we haven't had no 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 promo, you know, I've just been doing stuff on our social media pages, you know, promoting the album on there. We've just taken on a PR agent, um, uh, Opeak artist, Sue there. Uh, so she's just come on board literally about a month ago. Um, so, yeah, so you'll be seeing us hopefully on TV a bit more and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, we've basically done everything ourselves, me and Robbie in the band now. We manage the band and we do everything ourselves. We, we do our own bookings, and do you know what? It just runs so nice. And I think a lot of a lot of artists are doing that now, especially a lot of the young artists as well, because mm. you know the labels, the labels, you know, they want the the, the three sixty deal, where mm. they want a bit of everything. They, they want a bit. There's, there's no money in music anymore, really. Mm. You know, I suppose if you're at Sheeran or something like that. Um, you know, there's money to be made because you're getting hits all over the world. Um, but yeah, for the majority of people, mate, Spotify, God, what do they pay you? Like 0.02 pence a stream or something? Yeah, something was to Pete Connor from Dream last month on. And they boys have just started back up on, on their own as well, um, doing their own marketing and promotion and their new music. And uh, they were talking Hello, about being. Yeah less than complimentary about the streaming platforms and how little they, they get from it yeah yeah it's it's mate it's crazy it's crazy what 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 you get i think it's like a million streams you get like four thousand dollars or something um yeah yeah it's it's, it's a joke it's a joke really. yeah but yeah but i suppose at least if, if you're back out that there's so many other platforms that you can get your 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 message out there whether it is on social media on facebook uh places like that and obviously with new material out there um it, it's probably a, a good place to to kind of get 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 your name back out into the into the fold definitely mate do you know what it's not do you know what with me mate it's not even about the money mate it's just just i just love making music um i like produce music myself so i've got a little studio um so yes it's just more more about just making music and just you know showing people you, what what you can do really. Yeah. Um, so you yeah you mentioned a little bit earlier then that obviously the the lineup now for the seventeen is slightly different than the what it once was. So uh, a couple of a, a new bodies that perform alongside you now. So one of them Robbie Craig, who some people may remember from Artful Dodger and uh, kind of tracks like that. But talk to us about how the the current formation of, of E17 was created and obviously you, you guys do a lot on the the kind of the, the kind of retro circuit doing kind of festivals and things like that now yeah yeah well uh, uh, how i met robbie is um when it was me tony and john um we'd done an album we wrote an album and um i, I thought we was going to promote it and go around and the label we, we got a record deal and the label was like yeah everyone loves your album um, and I remember they called a meeting and um, talking about the album we'd wrote, me and Tony wrote it. And um, yeah, right at the end of the meeting, uh, the, the guy from the label went, oh, Tony's bringing that solo album next week. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, it was just a bit of a shock, to be honest with you. Mm. And then it, me and John was kind of on, we, well, me, John and Tony was on a retainer. And then, um, and I knew, I knew what was coming anyway. I knew they was going to just, you know, slowly get rid of me and John and then just concentrate on Tony. And uh, which I thought was a bit out of order, really, because, you know, I contacted Tony to say, do you want to be back in the band? Um, so anyway, so I was like, well, I ain't going to be out of a job. So I rang up the manager and I was like, well, look, you know, I'm still carry on. If Tony wants to go solo, solo, fair enough. And I don't mind that. You know, it'd be nice to have been told so that I could sort out my my life. But um, but no, if he wants to go solo, but I'm going to carry on with the band. And then um, uh, Robbie, Robbie Craig, he was on the same booking agent as us. And then one day Albert rang me up and he said, uh, I might have someone who would want to join you. And I said, who? He said, Robbie Craig. And I knew Robbie's vocal abilities because I, I DJ, I love DJing myself. And mm. I'd already had, a, I'd already bought a couple of Robbie's tracks. And like I DJed in Ironapper in 2000 and stuff like that. So it was my sort of like kettle of fish and style of music as well. Yeah. Um, what, what he was producing. So I met up with Robbie, um, just down the road, which is quite handy. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, we just clicked instantly. We just instantly clicked. I was playing him some songs in the car. He was playing me some songs. And, um, yeah, and it kind of went from there. John was in the band at the time still, so it was me, John and Robbie. And then, um, yeah, John left a couple of years ago. And we got um, we got a guy in called Joe who was um, uh, who we got through someone else. Um, and uh, yeah, and and do you know what? It's just it's just so nice. There's no dramas. There's no egos. There's you know we 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 all love what we do. We, we go our work ill just to not let people down. Mm. You know, uh, and that that's the kind of attitude we need in the band do you know what i mean people that are willing to, you know to go and work ill if they've got a cold or whatever because you know promoters sorry i don't know if you can hear that i'm having a tattoo <laughs> done tomorrow and the tattoo is <laughs> texting me what the wrong time to text but yeah, yeah um but yeah so you know that that's just everything runs smooth and you know when you start getting old i'm going to be 50 in a couple of years you know that that's what i want things to just run smooth i don't want dramas i've had loads of dramas back in the day in the band you know and it's not good do you know what i mean and yeah. i absolutely love this job more more than anything you know obviously i love my kids and family and all that but you know apart from that this job is is i, I, I just love it it's i don't know what else i would do yeah, obviously, I'd go and work. I'd do a normal job if I had to do, because, you know, I'd do whatever to feed my kids. But, you know, I love this job, and I'll do whatever it takes to keep it going. So and that's anyone that, that's, really. Yeah, so anyone that's not heard your kind of recent material, is it very similar to your stuff from the 90s, or is it uh, a slightly different yeah. sound? Or? No, it, it, do you know what? It's, it's kind of, you know, it's got the different elements. Um, we've got a ballad. Um, we've got uh, a crime. We actually done a music video for a couple of months ago. You can see crying. It's called crying. E17 crying music video on YouTube. Really good video. A friend of ours uh, shot the video 
it just come out brilliant. Also, Pete Bennett, who won Big Brother, the guy with Tourette's, he that, he, he acts in the video as well. Oh, nice. Uh, brilliant. He's a brilliant actor. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so he acts in the video. Um, we brought out the first single, which is called Strip, and it went to number one in the American dance chart. This was on the back of no promo at all. Um, the remix of it went to number five last Christmas in the UK dance chart, Music Week chart. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, the album's been out a few months now and it's on nearly a million streams. But yeah, I'll, I'll just say to people out there, check out the album. It's a really good album. I love the album. I think it's as good as all the other albums. And it's still got the kind of E17 feel about it, but it's more updated to today's. Hmm. You know, I don't understand 90s artists when they do 90s music and today's, because music's changed. You know, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get the, the 90s artists. I think, you know, go with what's happening now. You know, and give it another five or ten years, it'll be another sound. There'll be another sound. There. It seems to be like a ten-year. You know, you got the eighties, you got the nineties, mm. and then you got the two thousands, which is different. And then you know, and then two thousand, and you know, I, I think that, yeah, music's evolving all the time. So I, I like to keep current with what's going on, and I love, I love, I love music. Uh, today's music, you know, I think Ed Sheeran's a genius. I think his his music's just his songwriting's phenomenal. You know, he does so many different styles as well, but they all kind of, you know, hit it off. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I I I I'll just say go out there. The album's called Twenty Four Seven. It's a brilliant album. You know, we took a year to write it, and um, yeah, we just write. We're just starting a new album now, another uh, the next album at the moment. Um, which is all, there's already a couple of killer tracks on that. Um, nice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just love creating, mate, being creative and stuff Brilliant. like that. And obviously with things starting to open up again uh, with uh, after lockdown and everything, is there any sign of any future E17 gigs or anything? Where yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've been doing loads of gigs. We're doing, um, we're actually coming up to Scotland. I don't know if you're based in Scotland. I know you're Scottish. I am, yeah. No, I'm in Glasgow, yeah. Oh, you're back, yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. We've got four gigs in Glasgow coming up in December. Nice. Um, we've got six gigs in London. We've got, we, yeah, we've got, there, there's a lot of shows coming up. Um, and we've just found out, I think we're going to Ethiopia. Wow. Okay. Which is a crazy one. Yeah. Right. Talk, but, talk to us it came in last week um we got we got asked by one of our uh, european promoters uh, do we want to go and do a gig in ethiopia and i said i'd love to love to i'd love to experience ethiopia i've never been to africa hmm. and um yeah I, i'd just love to there's obviously a lot of um vaccines and tablets you've got to take beforehand but yeah. you know mate I, I i just want to go out there and experience it you know we, we we've done a gig in china uh, about four years ago, uh, in in one of the emperor's palaces, uh, like going back to the um, uh, was it called the um, dynasty, like going way back, and it was it was it was uh, in in the ancient wall of the Tong, which was a wall within a wall within a wall. There was eight walls, and then if you was trying to conquer this. <laughs> This um this palace, by the time you got to the middle bit, you was basically 
done in because it was quite a small square and there was all like people with arrows at the top and basically you'd be done but mate what an experience what it, 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 it was it, it was a bit of a trip for like a three-day trip um but yeah just just mate you live you die anything in between is a bonus this is the way i look at it and what as many as many life experiences what i can experience so i'm happy you know um but yeah ethiopia yeah come in it's a flower show and um yeah they've asked us to to, to um should find out well i said it's definitely happening but yeah that's the 20th of november so Thanks. um well, yeah, we're shooting lots of videos and putting loads of stuff on social media. Well, for that I we'll look forward to that. And uh, for, for our Glasgow listeners, it's SW, SWG3 um, just before Christmas for the boys up in Glasgow. So uh, we'll look forward to checking that out. Before I let you go, Terry, I, I just want you should to come. You should come down, mate. Come down right. and say hello. Yeah. And have a, beer, have, a beer with, have a beer with us. Definitely. Sounds like a, a, a maybe a couple of tequila shots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds a very nice way to spend just before Christmas. Before yes. I, I want to talk to you about collaborations, um, because obviously back in '96, you guys did a, a major hit alongside uh, Gabrielle uh, with "If You Ever," uh, and again that kind of showed a slightly different side to the kind of '17 sound. So, uh, <clears> is there anyone on the bucket list of people that you want to? collaborate with or maybe that are actually in the works for new material that, that you want to, to do some some stuff with well obviously Ed Sheeran would be nice <laughs> <Can I stand? laughs> come on Ed. Ed if you're listening bro mate <laughs> give us a ring I'll, I'll um, uh, yeah. uh, do you know what just yeah I'm up for a collaboration do you know what uh, I've actually been talking to Robbie and we might even do a collaboration album where every every track's like collaborated with someone, um, nice. but yeah, no, no, I'd love to, man. Gabrielle, she she was proper, mate. When, when we done that collaboration with her, she she was so lovely as well. She was going for a bit of an aunt turn at the time as well, but um, but yeah, she she was lovely. She was absolutely lovely, and yeah, definitely up for collaborations. But it's picking the right ones as well, picking the right yeah. collabs, you know, um, rather than it, you know, rather than going down the road and. Hey, you want to collab with us? Let's <laughs> talk to <laughs> random. But yeah, but no, definitely. I, I would love to do a collaboration album where every track's collaborated with someone like 10-track album. Um, but yeah, watch your space. I suppose that that's one of the, the, the good sides, I suppose, of kind of streaming-type platforms is that you don't necessarily need to do the old traditional 14-tracks album, four singles, then on to the next album. You can pretty much... Just whenever you've got a track, just put it out there and, and people can, can get it when you've got it ready. So, Yeah, definitely. definitely. I do get a little bit picky with tracks, with releasing them. I just don't want to try not to release anything. You know, the track's got to be kind of special. You know what I mean? There are a lot of artists out there who, who do just keep releasing like every two weeks and all that. But, I, I yeah, I, I think it's important to be picky, you know what I mean? Uh, especially coming from a 90s band as well. Yeah. Um, nope. Yeah. Because yeah, I just want you know, I just want it to sound the best it can be, really, and not 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 people, you know, people not to say like, oh, mm, a bit bit of has beens, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. No, but it, it's been an absolute pleasure, Terry. Uh, we wish you and you, Gary. Thank you so much, mate. 
Yeah, wish you all the best um, for those gigs in Glasgow towards the Tulare. Enjoy Africa as well, and uh, we'll look forward to listening to, to your new material when the, the new album comes out. When we put this out, we'll post the links to obviously the the new video for for crying on there as well, so people can can check that out as well. So. Oh, brilliant, man! Thanks, Gary. Thank you, mate. All right, thank you very much, Terry. Speak to you. Have a, have, a, have a good evening, mate. Shall do. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Gary. Bye, mate. Bye, mate. Bye, bye. Quite the Thing Media production of Quite the Music, distributed as part of Quite the Music Collab.